And um, we thank you for gathering here to celebrate and remember Josie on this day. I had the distinct privilege to uh, marry Chuck and Josie. And um, one of my favorite memories is coming into church every Sunday morning and noticing Chuck and Josie in the kitchen making coffee. And just being able to talk with them and talk about life and talking about Christ and um, just... There wasn't really a topic that was off-limits on one level. But today we are going to celebrate Josie, and um, we're going to start that off with some worship. Thank you. If you'd stand, let's sing What a Friend We Have to Jesus.
Good morning, everyone. My name is James Bodie. I'm uh, Chuck Bodie's son, and uh, Josie uh, Bodie was my stepmother. <clears throat> so, uh, Josephine G. Cruz Bodie passed away in our Savior's arms on January 8th, 2022. She was born July 8th, 1942, and was 79 at her time of her passing. She was born in Canoga Park, California, to parents Hilago and Lucy Gonzalez. She is survived by her husband, Chuck Bodie, sons Daniel, Aaron, mother, mother Lucy, sister Angelita. Uh, she and her late husband, Harold Cruz, were married for 40 years before his death. Josie graduated from Canoga Park High School in California and went on to, to work in the then-thriving aerospace industries in the Los Angeles area. She learned her trade well and became a lead electronics assembler for a number of companies specializing in building highly sophisticated electronic systems using aircraft and spacecraft. At Jet Propulsion Laboratory, she helped manufacture electronics used in rovers sent to Mars and other spacecraft to outer planets. She retired in 2010 and in 2012 moved to Eagle River, Wisconsin, with Charles Bodie, whom she met through work. They were sequentially married and lived happily together in the life of Christ. Josie was a devout Christian and enthusiastic volunteer at church functions. She was a member of the Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church in Three Lakes, Wisconsin. She was active in Bible study groups and volunteered work sponsored by the church. Josie would be interned in the Three Lakes Cemetery when the weather conditions allow. I have a degree in electronic engineering, and I don't know how to turn the microphone on. <laughs> but I have to have a theologian come out and do it for me, huh? <laughs> so we're, we're really thankful for the, the support and love that's been shown to us in this church and, and in the community. Um, and uh, Josie was... Uh, very Christian lady, and deeply loved God in, in, in his human form, Jesus, and she studied the Bible carefully every day, and uh, I, I, she was very good to me. Um, I was blessed in my life with having two fine women. My first wife, 
was uh, passed to the Lord in 2006. So she's been up to heaven for um, 16 years, I guess. So uh, now Josie is joining her in heaven, and I can imagine what they might be talking about right now. <laughs> and I could just hear some of the conversation. Did he do dishes when he was married to you? He didn't do it for me. So, uh, so I was thinking about that, and I thought maybe I would want to go to the other place because I'm not sure I could take all the uh, women uh, after me there. <laughs> Josie and I loved to travel, or she loved to travel with me, and I loved it. And we went all around uh, places, and I, I did get to take her to a lot of them. She, we were stopped by the COVID epidemic, and uh, but before that, we went to South America and saw the saw Chile and Argentina, and we went through Europe and Germany and and. Italy and Monte Carlo and France and had a good time. Some of those pictures you saw that were flashing up before the service uh, were parts of our travels. And some of them I don't remember where they were. I tried to look at the the writings on the store windows in the background to try to figure out what language it was to figure out where it was from. And we, we went to Alaska and Portugal and places like that. We had a great time together. I'm so sorry that it's ending so quickly. Um, yeah, I, I felt it was quick. Josie was an excellent cook. And I found that out this morning when I tried to put my uh, suit jacket on. <laughs> didn't fit. <laughs> so I had a, I had to improvise with a sports jacket that still fits. But, uh, yeah, she put a little, little weight on me. Uh, she, she was a Mexican-American lady. Uh, she was born in Canoga Park, California, but she uh, of Mexican uh, heritage. So she knew how to make good Mexican food. And we enjoyed that a lot. And she could do... Uh, chili rellenos and enchiladas and quesadillas and sauce that made my eyes and nose water. That was just the right, just the right temperature for me. I, so I did tease her a lot about my first wife was also a Mexican-American lady and she taught me how to make tamales. So when we, when we would, Josie would make tamales I would tease her that I knew how to do it. And she knew quickly that all I knew to do, all I, all I knew was to how to wash the leaves before we... <laughs> <laughs> but if you come to our house, you'll see there's cookbooks on every shelf, every cupboard, every closet has cookbooks. She was a, she was a, a real cooking fanatic and she watched the, all the cooking shows forever Uh, and on Thursdays usually I would uh, come home from wherever it was and I would smell cookies cooking and I'd say oh good 
Well, she'd say, get away from those. Those are for church Sunday. <laughs> and she was always after me about the house not being as clean as she'd like to have it. And uh, because I was not quite the same uh, cleanliness level as she was, I guess. She was, uh, like I said again, a very religious woman, and she tried to keep me on the straight and narrow. And if I uh, was caught by her criticizing or or being a hypocrite um, in, in things that she saw as sinful, and she would point that out to me, she would uh, say uh, a sentence in... Spanish, and I, I apologize uh, beforehand to the people that know Spanish that my uh, accent and, and the pronunciation isn't great. But if I were, if she heard me criticize others or uh, or judge others, which she considered a sin, she would tell me, "El zorrillo no puede oler se la cola." Okay, what that meant is the skunk cannot smell his own tail. <laughs> so that's kind of the Spanish version of if you live in a glass house, you know, that, that one. So uh, she was growing in her strength and faith in the Bible study in this church. We were, we were very very, very uh, grateful to our neighbor, uh, J.P. Platts, who introduced us to this church and got us going. And we were just been so happy with that. And she loved this church and the congregation. And <clears throat> she's got friends all over the country that are supposed to be watching this on, uh, on streaming. So California... California people, hi. <laughs> in uh, North Carolina, hi. Um, and that's how I want her to be remembered, as a cook, as a good Christian lady, and just an excellent person all the way. That's, that's about what I have to say. So thank you very much for showing up. We appreciate it. Let's continue our service tonight. If you would, can stand again and we'll sing How Great Thou Art.
Thank you so much. Please be seated. Psalm 23. I'm reading it out of the New King James Version, and it will be um, on the screen as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. When I first met with Chuck after Josie passed, he asked me to read this passage. And after I had read it and looked at it, I decided that why don't we dig a little deeper into it. So we're going to walk through um, this psalm. So verse 1, we see that the Lord is introduced as the shepherd. Now when we hear shepherd, we think of sheep and countryside and hills and manure, right? That's what we think of. But to the first people that read this, they would have thought, shepherd, king. He's the one that oversees and shepherds a nation. So for the rest of this psalm, I want you to think king when you hear shepherd. It also says that I shall not want and goes on to say that all of our needs are taken care of by our shepherd. We see the good shepherd gives us green pastures and quiet waters. Now, I'm not a shepherd, I don't, I don't know if I've actually ever, like, I've seen a sheep, okay, I've seen a sheep, but I've, I don't know if I've ever actually, like, touched a sheep, and um, so that's there's the extent of my knowledge of sheep, but from what I understand, sh- sheep and fast water or rocky water or any kind of water that isn't quiet doesn't really work very well. Um, they can't really swim, their wool weighs them down and they drown, and isn't that kind of like us mm. when there's rocky waters or anything that really disrupts our lives, we need that quiet water. Verse 3, it shows us that the shepherd refreshes and renews his flock. And not just a little bit, but the shepherd gives us, uh, it says, restores my soul, our very being. At the end of verse 3, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Now this is kind of this can be understood two different ways. If you would read this in a different translation, it would say he leads us on right paths. But isn't that exactly what God does? He leads us down the straight and narrow, but he also directs our lives in the direction that we should go. In verse 4 it says that he is with us in the very darkest place, in the valley of the shadow of death. Notice at the end it says that his rod and his staff bring comfort. 
Now, a shepherd's staff, I think we all know what it looks like, right? It looks like a candy cane, but it's wood, right? Shepherd's staff. But a shepherd's rod, I don't think we really think too much about. But a shepherd's rod is really, it's a club. That's what it is. It's a stick about this long, weighted usually. The word for, okay, you guys probably didn't expect this, but you're getting a Hebrew lesson today, all right? Here you go. The word for rod in this context is shevet, okay? And that's the only Hebrew word I know, so don't ask me the rest of it. But shevet, which is also the word for scepter, a tool of judgment and discipline that a king would use to rule over his country. Notice that it says that that brings us comfort. That Jesus setting boundaries, disciplining us, brings us comfort. Now there's a subtle shift that happens between verse 4 Four, five, six, right in there. We stop talking about the the shepherd, the Lord of the shepherd, but we start talking about Jesus as our friend and savior. It says that we would be able to sit at a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Now, when we say sit at a table, prepare a table, I want you to think the casualness of just a dinner in front of your enemies. Think of just reclining and relaxing, even though that there are enemies all around you, that the Lord is so powerful that you can relax right there. It says that my head is anointed with oil. In ancient Israel, when a king was anointed with oil, it was a special time where they were saying, this is our king. And that's what God does for us. He anoints us with oil and says, you are with me. Again, we see the abundance of the Lord as our cup runs over. And finally, it says that goodness and mercy won't just be with us, but will pursue us. That God's goodness and mercy will pursue us all the days of our lives. And that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what we end up with when we finish this passage is we have a shepherd who meets our needs, refreshes us, literally restores our soul, leads, it, leads us in the ways that we should go, and is with us in the darkest of places. His power and discipline comfort us, but he is also not just our shepherd, but our friend and savior who is casually powerful, and we are anointed as his and dwell in his house forever. Now we know that Josie knew her Savior, and we are thankful that she gets to live forever in the house of the Lord. When I read this passage, I saw the term quiet waters. And when I think of water and the Bible, I think of another passage. Now, this is, this is a verse, this is maybe one of the only verses that I can quote every single time, right, every time, okay? And you guys are going to memorize it with me right now. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, so this is from John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. That's the entire verse. Okay, so you guys got it, right? Now, that verse happens at a time that is very, very dark. Jesus is 
he is in Judea, and a messenger comes to him and tells him, your friend Lazarus is sick. And so Lazarus is one of Jesus' friends. He's not one of his disciples, but he's sick. And um, so Jesus says, okay. And you would think Jesus, being powerful, would go immediately and heal his friend, right? But instead, Jesus waits another two days. And then he goes. He starts going. So he walks to where his friend is, and his friend's two sisters come to him, Mary and Martha. And both of them say the same thing. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, well, he died, so you get to see this. So then he goes, and he's about to raise Lazarus. And he knows that Lazarus is go- he's going to be right. He's going to be healed. He knows that Lazarus is going to be in heaven after he comes back from the dead and passes away again. He knows that. But still, it says in this passage that Jesus wept. And I think that is the most comforting thing for us. Because that means that Jesus isn't just the good shepherd who's far away, or the king who lives and sits on some throne, but Jesus is the king who knows exactly what you're going through, and he's the shepherd that's with you always in your darkest moment. We know that Josie's in heaven, and we thank the Lord for that. But we can say, you know what, it's okay to mourn here. It's okay to be sorrowful that she's not here. But we thank God that we had the time that we had with her, and that we, we can mourn well in that. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day, our time together, and thank you for Josie. Thank you that we know that you have her in your loving arms and that we'll get to see her again. We pray that you would help us to mourn her well, to remember her well, to celebrate her well, and help us to live lives that would honor her as well as honor you. We love you, Father God. In Jesus' name. We're going to end our service with a song that one of Chuck and Josie's favorites. If you don't go to this church, you might not know it, but it's easy to learn. And Chuck picked it because it's an upbeat way to end this celebration of life. So if you would stand and uh, sing along, we're going to sing a song that actually has a tie to this message that we just heard called Everywhere I Go. Everywhere I go on this road high and low Everywhere I go on this road, high and low, where I go.
seated. If the uh, pallbearers want to come up, we're going to, to move Josie. Um, afterwards, after the family exits, um, we will have a luncheon downstairs. If the family wants to go out with the, the casket, you're welcome to. Um, if everyone else just wants to wait about five minutes, then we'll go downstairs. Thank you for being here, and um, thank you for supporting Ever, uh, Chuck and the family, and also celebrating Josie. You're dismissed. <laughs>